Welcome to the Young IPA Podcast. I'm James. This is Adam. G'day. We are still missing Pete, but Adam, you did so well last week. We're going to have you back for another one. It's episode 121. It is the 8th of August. We've got a very fun show for you guys coming up. We are going to be talking to Jacinta Price, who is the Alice Springs Town Councillor. She is such an influential voice on Indigenous Affairs, and she's got so many uh, cool things to say about voice department, Indigenous recognition. It's been such a huge week for that issue. So we're going to be talking to her about that uh, really fun chat and uh, we've got a whole bunch of other stuff as well. We're going to be talking um, about the latest with Hong Kong, this amazing climate conference that happened over in Sicily, Heroes and Villains as well as every week. We've got a really fun segment for you guys at the end, which is going to be a special surprise. Adam, anything you're particularly looking forward to in the show this week? I'm particularly looking forward to some of our culture picks. Very cool. There are, there's some good ones. All right, sweet. Uh, I'm looking forward to that as well. So let's get into it because the big story in Australia this week was voice department and mm-hmm. Indigenous recognition in the Constitution. And it's been a big issue for a while. So th- this weekend was the Ghana Festival and there was a few stories that came out of it. So you first off had Anthony Albanese say that Labor was committed to the Uluru Statement, which basically means that Labor is committed to voice department. And you also had Noel Pearson, who's another influential voice in this whole uh, recognition mm-hmm. question, come out and call the IPA child soldiers, uh, spreading lies about um, indigenous recognition. So huge week. Uh, and we're going to be talking to Jacinta Price about a lot of it. So first off, like, are we child soldiers? I, I don't know you're not affiliated so. with the IPA, of but course. Uh, do you see me as a child soldier? I don't think so. Right. No, it's not something that comes to mind yeah, when... Yeah. When I talk to you, yeah, it's like it's this thing because like Indigenous affairs is such a uh, important issue. There's so many mm. things that need to be discussed when we talk about it, and then it gets into uh, a bit of name calling, and yeah, and just yeah. takes away from the actual issue. Yeah, it really does. And um, so, if you guys want to read more about that, there's an awesome op-ed by the IPA chairman Janet Albrechtson that's going to be on our website at ipa.org.au, talking about how we need to start thinking about us and them, and stop thinking about two different sides of the debate when we're all thinking like, exactly. you know, I'm not. Like Noel Pearson genuinely cares about Aboriginal advancement and Aboriginal mm. affairs and he's doing what he thinks is best and we're doing what we think is best because we also care about these issues. So it's a tough one and there's a whole lot of emotions around a very important issue as there would be. Yeah. But, um, yeah, when it gets into name calling, it's like, what's going on here? Yeah, they're totally just taking away from the actual issue and yeah. that's not coming up with practical solutions to help anybody. Yeah, exactly. And uh, another, like the other interesting things that were coming out of Gama for me was like, uh, and we talk about this, well, I talk about this with Jacinta coming up the show, which is the idea that there's a whole lot of Aboriginal people out there that don't know what a voice department is, don't know what Indigenous recognition is because to Aboriginal people, like, you know, to some it is the biggest issue in the world, mm. but to other people, it, it's nothing. And like, there's so many other things about Indigenous affairs that we should be talking about, but the debate gets sidetracked when we talk about voice department and Indigenous recognition when really it's education gap and health gap yeah, and stuff exactly. like that. Yeah, exactly. Real things that are affecting, you know, yeah, real yeah. people right now. It's exactly the same whenever Australia Day rolls around and politicians get to come up and say, well, we shouldn't be celebrating Australia Day. And that gives them the free license to yeah, ignore especially on that one, affairs. It's kind of like an easy one to target. Yeah. You know, like education gaps and stuff they're obviously really tricky issues and obviously you know yeah. we haven't solved them yet which is why because they're so tricky but things like australia day i think they're kind of like you know easier issues yeah, to be yeah. able to target it's much harder to get retweets and likes on twitter yeah. for your take on uh you know australia day than it is for education yeah um, exactly so yeah go to, uh stick around for that interview with Jacinta and go to the ipa website for the article with janet albrechtson but we should probably move on to another story and uh 
I mean, Hong Kong, the story's not going away. Hong Kong, yeah, it's still going. Um, so the executive chief, Carrie Lam, recently- Chief executive, dis- yeah. Chief executive, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Carrie Probably Lam. also executive chief, but we, you know, the job title is chief executive. Yeah, yeah. she's up there. Anyway, <laughs> she has described it as she said, we are approaching a very dangerous situation, which- I don't think anyone disagrees with. No. Uh, that's, you know, a good point. I guess what, I, what I've been thinking, you know, is where does Australia kind of sit in this? And um, that's something John Howard commented on. And he said uh, Australia should, you know, favour our, our ties with the US um, over our ones with uh, China, which I think is interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's... Yeah, it's seriously not going away. Like, there's a video. Hopefully, we can get it because, like, the original tweet I saw got uh, they took it down, and I don't know why. But there was this video of uh, the People's Liberation Army basically warming up to head over to Hong Kong to start mm-hmm. uh, doing their own thing about the protests. And to be honest, like, there is not a way in which this ends where there's not a, like there are uh, there aren't deaths, and it's yeah. terrifying, and it's going to get a whole lot worse. And like you said, it's a very tricky situation for Australia to be in, and I don't know what the right answer is. Um, I- Great. By the way, uh, if you guys missed last week's show where we talked to a Hong Kong protester, his name's Sean. Uh, we had to keep him as an- anonymous as possible. Um, but that was an awesome interview. And you can really hear from someone who was there and someone who lives in Hong Kong and someone who's been on the streets, like what's going on, what's going through the protesters' minds. Uh, I mean, the stuff about policemen having uh, batons yeah. with nails and bolts in them, like you don't do that for defensive purposes. You yeah. do that to hurt people. And so much of this just isn't coming out. So yeah. we're lucky to have someone that, you know, was really there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's like, uh, I, I saw one, this uh, Willie Lam, who's an adjunct professor at the Chinese University of Hong Kong, says like, what if the PLO start deploying just even 100 soldiers in the central business mm. district? Uh, that'd be front page of all the newspapers and people would be scared, just like 100 soldiers. And then, you know, China does not have a great record of doing soft approaches to things no, like this. No, no, so, yeah, going to be very... The hard way. They will do it the hard way. Um, all right, so hopefully this one gets a bit lighter because this one was pretty funny. So... Um, there was this big climate change conference that went down at Sicily and it was the biggest jet set, mm-hmm. high celebrity, high fashion, high society thing in the world. Um, 114 private jets and a bunch of super yachts all congregate into this one place in Sicily to hear about how bad emissions are. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah, it's stuff like that that makes me the most socialist I get when I see like the, the top of the top of the top. Uh, get together and talk about these like tiny issues that like yeah. you know what is getting solved by Katy Perry, Orlando Bloom, <laughs> and Leonardo DiCaprio at a conference in the Sicily. The top minds of yeah. our time. I mean, if you want to get together all the chief uh, climate people, yeah. then how like Katy Perry is surely at the top of your list. And uh, uh, this is the same guy that isn't going to have any more children because of his impact on. Yeah, yeah. So you talk about Prince Harry there. Prince Harry. He's like, I'm only going to have two kids. Uh, yeah, so Prince Harry gave the barefoot speech. Very important that he had his shoes off for it um, to show how serious he was. So Prince Harry gives this uh, speech at the Google camp. Um, and he also would say, I'm only having two kids to fight climate change, but I'm also happy to go to Sicily and mix it up with these powerful celebrities just so I can get my p- picture with famous people. It did sound fun. Yeah. It sounded like a fun time. Really? <laughs> you could not pay me to go somewhere like that. It would just be the worst. Coldplay did play. That would be okay yeah. in 2006. But yeah, true, true. But yeah, I guess it, it's kind of like, it reminds me of like, you know, the climate strike at school, the school kids one. It's just kind of self-indulgent and nothing's really getting achieved. I don't know, you know, what they think they're achieving. Yeah. But people like patting themselves on the back and feeling like sure. they're solving 
big issues. Yeah. The best subplot that came out of the climate strike, uh, sorry, the Prince Harry stuff for me was that um, our own Gideon Rosner uh, Mm -hmm. put out a tweet about it talking about like the decision to only have two children and it got picked up by like five different British publications. So Gideon Rosner, you know, many people will know him from his Sky appearances and appearances on this show is now Australia's leading royal commentator, I would have to say. Like he's a man who watches the royals. And he's in Australia. (laughs) Yeah, and he's in Australia. All right, sweet. Uh, Let's kick it over to Heroes and Villains segment. So people are new to the show, Heroes and Villains, um, you know, just people that have stood up for freedom, people that have stood up uh, for tyranny. We're going to uh, praise the heroes and we're going to shame the villains. So the hero segment, the Grunt the Pig Freedom Award, <laughs> basically given to someone that we think has stood up for freedom. Mm-hmm. So my nomination for the Grunt the Pig Freedom Award is Nancy Segula over in the US. So Nancy Segula loves cats and uh, that is her right to do so. She can love cats as much as she want unless the government says she can't love cats as much as she does because Garfield Heights City Ordinance 505.23, boy oh boy, is Mm -hmm. that an important one, states that um, moving a large number of cats into an area is a public nuisance. Now, what Nancy Segula has done to draw the ire of the government is she keeps feeding stray cats out of her house. Uh, Over the last four years, 22 cats were removed from from Segula's home. Wow. Now, to me, that's not a whole lot amount of cats. Like, if you said, hey, come over and I've got 22 cats, that's a lot of cats. But if you want to say, over the course of the last four years, I have fed 22 stray cats. It's not that That's not too many cats for me. Um, But, so, she's uh, fed so many stray cats and broken this bylaw so many times that she's now Mm -hmm. been jailed for 10 days. She's 79 years old. (laughs) She's been jailed for 10 days because she keeps on feeding stray cats. Like, they first uh, told her probation, then they find her. She kept feeding, kept feeding, kept feeding, 10 days in jail. She kept, And I'll tell you what, at the end of this 10-day streak, I, if there's one thing I know she will be doing, it is going to be, be feeding, feeding stray cats. cats. So for continually uh, shoving it up to the government and feeding the stray cats of your neighbourhood, Nancy Segula is my hero of the All week. Right. Very strong, very strong uh, candidate there. My one is the Independent Press Standards Organisation in the UK. Uh, And that's because they ruled that newspapers are allowed to mock parrots and compare them to psychopaths. So uh, what happened was... Finally. Finally. What happened, there was a tabloid and they photoshopped uh, a bird with a flat cap. Yeah, we're seeing it on screen now for people that are watching on YouTube. And they called him a psychopath. Apparently that's a Peaky Blinders reference. Yeah. Well, the cap, like again, for people on YouTube, because I'm a huge Peaky Blinders fan, it rages me that you're not. Um, But yeah, so he's basically wearing a cap of the same name and because the show's called Peaky Blinders and he's got a beak, I mean, the Peaky Blinders pun basically writes himself. Yeah, so, sorry, continue uh, on. The argument was that so they, they called him a pain-loving parrot, as you can see, and the argument was parrots don't understand the concept of pain yeah. and therefore it was unfair to call them a pain-loving par- him a pain-loving parrot. Yeah, to which I would say, do you know who else doesn't have any concept of pain? Pain-loving psychopaths. Like, yeah, that's their exactly. whole thing. They don't yeah. get pain. It's, it was be, a funny to, joke. To be honest, if parrots don't understand pain, a psychopath is literally the most accurate thing you can call a parrot. Yeah. I also like the idea because the like the all star parrots who made the original complaint about this sh- mm. like the shaming of parrots said that uh, the newspaper's report was both inaccurate and an invasion of privacy. Parrots repeat literally everything <laughs> yeah, they're told. Say anything like, they hear. No, that animal does not give a crap <laughs> about privacy. They don't know what privacy is. If they don't understand pain, <laughs> yeah. they don't understand. And privacy. they don't understand privacy. So good on uh, Ipso for finally standing up for freedom and let all the parrot puns in the UK reign. All right, uh, we've got, cut it over to villain segment. So this is a Howard Peck Award for villainy. 
basically people who you know stand up for villainy. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it's pretty obvious. So Colorado State University is mine. There was an article in Spiked this week. Great website. Go check it out. Brendan O'Neill, friend of the show. But uh, So this Spiked article was talking about Colorado State University who had an uh, inclusive language guide for its employees and it advises against for- using 49 apparently problematic words and phrases. Now, some of them are pretty obvious ones. Mm-hmm. Some of them are less obvious. And this is the one I want to hone in on. Hip, hip, hooray. Wow. Got uh, nixed. It's like, that's, you can't say hip, hip, hooray anymore. Um, the argument they give is hip, hip, hooray is developed from the German hep, hep, which is, was a harmless, adorable sh- call shepherds would use when herding their sheep. To be honest, that's where you draw, like, you can stop writing up that because yeah, you just said it's harmless. That is. And then they start saying, oh, oh in Germany in World War II, it was something the citizens would say to each other. But literally, no one knows that. No one's insinuating. <laughs> no one's ever heard of this. Yeah. When people say hip, hip, hooray, no one is ever. It just for a second fun. thought, oh, this is German, isn't it? Is this German? Yeah. Um, well, I, you say it's fine, but like I've never heard anyone do the full hip hip parade at a birthday party for quite a while. Really? Now. I know wow. you're in the middle of 21st Your season. parties are like really sinking there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no My parties are just a curtain nod at the door to the birthday <laughs> yeah. person and then it's not addressed for the rest of the night. Yeah, okay. So you're in the middle of 21st I season. I am in the is middle of 21st. Still big? Lots of hip hip parades. Right. Maybe so, the best part of the night. I, well, that is very controversial. Um, so... Like, what would be your theory as to what they could do instead? So, is it just uh, like after the after the celebration, there's just a silence where yeah, the hip parade would be? I don't, I don't know. You could <laughs> clap a lot. Yeah. Oh, we can't clap. We're going to discuss that okay, later no in the show. But there's no, no clapping. A lot of jazz hooting, hands, maybe jazz howls. hands. Yeah, jazz Oxford hands. Union. That's always a good one. All right. Well, at least we're not saying hip hip parade anymore because, uh, like, they have banned hip hip parade. Colorado State University. That is the villain of the week. Okay. Good one. All right. Well, my villain is a little wider than that. Yep. And it's a lot of people, actually. Yep. Uh, and that's because... So the Woodstock co-founder... Do we have a particular like person or in charge or like a particular grouping of people rather than just... Uh, no, it's just everyone. Just I everyone. Think. Okay, just that everyone. Is, that's a wide net, and I like it. And uh, I'll tell you why. So 50 years ago was Woodstock, yep. one of the biggest festivals ever. Yep. Huge. Jimi Hendrix playing guitar. Exactly. Everyone knows about it. And the co-founder thought he'd do a 50th anniversary. Uh, it was pretty sad on it. People invested a lot of money. Yep. And in the end, he had to pull it out because he just didn't get the permits in time. There yeah. were too many permits. Rock and roll music is dead. Rock and roll is officially dead yeah. due to permits. If you can't, like, if there's one thing people associate with Woodstock, it's permits. So yeah. I'm glad they're paying, uh, paying homage to the forefathers yeah, and exactly. just getting the permits they can. That's how it started. Yeah. A lot of permits. Um, but yeah, like, that is the ultimate we can't have fun anymore. <laughs> like, we yeah. can't even have a festival that everyone associates with just complete greasiness, mud and chaos because yep. we can't get the permits for to unite all the big bands in the world. Like yeah. th- the lineup that we're gonna have was incredible. It was gonna be it was gonna be one of the best festivals ever. Yeah. Just like the original Woodstock. Exactly. It was gonna be hard to top. But yeah. Uh but permits. All right, it's cool. Fallen down. All right, so that is it for the Heroes and Villains segment this week. So we'll now go to our interview with Jacinta Price. She is touring Australia with True Arrow Events. Make sure you go to truearrowevents.com. You can get all the details. We talk about all the cities that she's going to be visiting in the interview, so make sure you're going and checking out if you're in the area because Jacinta is a speaker you absolutely need to hear from. All right, uh, let's go to those interviews now. Okay, we now welcome back onto the show Jacinta Price, uh, town councillor in Alice Springs. Jacinta, welcome back to the show. 
Thanks for having me, James. Uh, so, Jacinda, you're about to embark on a nationwide tour with True Arrow Events. The new tour is called Mind the Gap, Bridging the Indigenous Divide. Uh, you're going to be out and about between August 26th and September 13th. And the promise on the tour uh, description is no political correctness and no identity politics. So what can people who buy tickets to your event expect? Um, some realism and, and some common sense and um, uh, the idea behind it all is to create understanding, um, uh, you know, for many of the issues, but also um, where I come from, we have Australia's most marginalised um, people here in the Northern Territory in, in remote communities. And um, so for me, it's, it's about bringing forward, bringing across uh, what's, what's going on in, in some of those communities, how um, the you know, traditional cultural differences um, are playing a role in disadvantage uh, and some you know, ways of looking at things so that we can... Uh, in practical terms, so that we can come up with with some real solutions. Yeah, that sounds awesome. And uh, like these are things that we need to be talking about. And when you say there's no political correctness and no identity politics, do you feel that's what's really stifling debate about these issues and policy discussions about these issues? Absolutely, it is. I mean, I'm you know I've just read this morning about the unions deciding to um, become virtue signalers and and claiming as though they they want what's best for Indigenous people, and so that means to have a welcome, welcome to country. If, if more than twenty, you know, um, people are employed in, in workplaces, and it's just that it's you can't have an opinion if you don't understand anything about traditional culture or cult, you know, culture in itself, um, and elements of culture that possibly hinder progress. You can't stand there and say, you know, just make blanket um, comments, uh, statements about how you think, you know, we're going to advance Indigenous people through having welcome to country. Um, it's, it's really, that's not how it, it happens. It's not how it works. Um, and it's also disregarding the fact that in, Aboriginal people are human beings like everybody else. And it's about maintaining the same standards for all human beings. That's how you achieve progress, uh, not by creating a different set of rules for you know, a group of people uh, that isn't of the same standards as those of us who are, who are making progress. Uh, when you, mention, you mentioned there that people don't know about Aboriginal culture. So people that do want welcome to countries, what are, the, what are they missing about Aboriginal culture? The fact that we never even had welcome to country in the first place. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a contemporary um, made-up um, ceremony, which, you know, I think, I think it's something that Ernie Dingo had to come up with when he was faced with um, Polynesians who'd come over to Australia and that's the sort of thing they do and they were demanding that that's what they wanted from Indigenous people. So that's how it came about. And we've got to be honest about where these ideas come from and what the purpose is for um, these ideas. I mean, we don't have that sort of thing in Wadbury country. We don't, we don't carry out those sorts of ceremonies because they're not real ceremonies. And the ceremonies that we do carry out are about, uh, are about maintaining the dreaming, maintaining Jukurba. They have very real purpose for them. And 
by you know creating all these other sorts of ceremonies it actually it actually takes away from what real culture is all about uh, and I know that there are people of Aboriginal descent who have lost a lot of their culture and a lot of their language and therefore they are trying to uh, you know recreate um, ceremony if you like and dance and song and all that sort of thing because there is a great sense of loss but uh, we have to be realistic about what 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 culture is and, and what culture isn't. It's a bit like the Scots and the Irish and how there are many out there who who um, wear tartan and eat shortbread um, and, and claim to be Scottish and Irish, where you know their ancestors that are that are Irish and Scots. I mean, I could I could also claim to be a Scottish woman or, or an Irish woman if, if I wanted to, <laughs> if, if we went along those lines. Um, and really, um, you know, ceremony serves real purposes and the, and the bottom line is that these ceremonies that are conducted nowadays uh, aren't there for those particular purposes and, and there's payment involved. So, of course, it's going to generate a bit, an industry um, where people are going to be paid to carry out such ceremonies, we don't. We we weren't paid for maintaining the chukurba um, back in the day for ensuring there was an abundance of food or or that rain came. Um, we, we we weren't paid to do those things, but it's happening all over the place because there's now an industry for it. And this is what big company and this is what the unions want to push uh, and are calling it Aboriginal culture. It's not Aboriginal culture. Right, uh, that's awesome. So go to True Arrow events uh, for details. The tour takes you to Adelaide, Mildura, Bendigo, Melbourne, Albury, Redonga, Canberra, Sydney, Newcastle, Coffs Harbour, Brisbane, and Toowoomba. So first off, do you want to say anything to True Arrow events about overbooking? Because that is a lot of different places to be going. <laughs> it is. It is um, quite a few places to be going. There has been. Uh, there's been a lot of interest shown. We wanted to sort of, um, you know, not just do the main cities but also some of the regional areas as well and uh, it is the first round of events so we will see how it's going but tickets are selling steadily which is a good sign yeah that's <laughs> yeah that's awesome and it just shows the appetite for your message across Australia so well, let's talk about this has been a huge week for Indigenous recognition and the voice to parliament debate especially in the wake of the Gama festival over the weekend we had Anthony Albanese backing a voice to parliament at Gama Scott Morrison on the other side he said he would veto it but the appetite for a voice to parliament and Indigenous recognition certainly remains in the Liberal Party and you also saw Noel Pearson call out the IPA for uh, like they called us he called us child soldiers and accused us of spreading mm. lies about Indigenous recognition what do you make of where mm. the debate is at about Indigenous recognition and voice to parliament? Well, I think comments like throwing the constitution into the sea is basically going to turn most Australians off wanting to support um, recognition. And I don't think think Australians in general are very keen to support the idea of a constitutionally enshrined voice. Uh, What I see is... And the IPA, you have a place. It, we we have to challenge ideas. If we don't challenge ideas and we allow them just to flow through, you know, unchallenged, then it this leads to disaster. And this is what doesn't happen enough in you know on the indigenous side of things. A, a lot of um, you know, activists will you know come up with an idea and want to push it through 
um, without actually challenging it or or demanding that we understand what it what it actually means. Like, what does this voice set up mean? We we it's like we're being asked as Australians to um, to to say yes to a concept. It's like you you wouldn't you wouldn't go to um, a funding body uh, with a concept, uh, but not yet have the business plan there. You, you wouldn't support, uh, funders wouldn't support a concept without a business plan, and this is what is happening right now. The Australian Australians are confused as to what this voice actually means. Um, and so there are those of us, like the IPA, like, like myself, who are challenging it and questioning um, what this means and what it will in fact look like. Uh, you know, to think that we could have another body like ATSIC that could be enshrining the Constitution, that is, that is a really scary concept because we know that there is corruption and, and uh, misspending of Indigenous funds in organisations and quite often organisations aren't necessarily held to the same um, account as, as non-Indigenous organisations for, for the misuse of funds. And there are people who have been in powerful positions for decades um, in the Aboriginal industry uh, who have done little to change the situation for Indigenous people. And for me, I fear that the concept of this voice will just embed these people in those positions of power further uh, without really achieving anything um, for people on the ground. And... I don't see how another bureaucracy laid over the top of everything else is actually going to help at the grassroots level. If we want to get serious about making change, that's where it has to happen, at the, at the grassroots. It's almost like another top-down approach. Uh, and it's also, it's also pushing the lie that Aboriginal people all think the same, that, that we all think the same, and it disregards the fact that they were, we're all individuals, we all think differently, um, from town to town, we, we have a different set of issues that need to be dealt with in, in a localised fashion. Yeah, that's my view um, with um, Voice to Parliament as well. It's just like, obviously, the one side is the uh, the loose framework that we have to work with already. But the second side is, I think it's so weird to assume that there's one sole Aboriginal view on any policy issue, which is what the Voice of Parliament sort of suggests. Like, oh, this is the Aboriginal perspective on this policy and this is the Aboriginal perspective on this policy. I, like, mm. why, like, uh, that just doesn't seem right to me. No, that's right. I mean... If, if legislation comes through, does the voice then go out and and um, consult, 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 like <laughs> constantly consulting with with you know as many Indigenous people on the ground as possible to to form one viewpoint and come back um, with that one viewpoint? Like it still doesn't outline what it's supposed to do, and uh, you know, and if if you are if you don't agree, I mean, we've seen how I get attacked. Um, you know, we've seen how people like Mundine, Anthony Mundine, sorry, not Anthony Mundine, Warren Mundine and Anthony Dillon. Yeah, Anthony Mundine's also been attacked, but for probably more he's, worthy yes. reasons in his time. <laughs> he's been attacked also. But if you have a differing um, viewpoint, if you're, you know, a conservative Aboriginal person, you're you're disregarded, you're, um, you're, you're attacked, and your input is not valued Uh when you know when it comes to decision making and, and these ideas, you're expected 
to just go along and agree with everything else, otherwise you're called a sellout or a coconut or an Uncle Tom or, you know, whatever. And um, that's not healthy. So there's no encouragement for, you know, robust debate amongst ourselves either. And will this voice um, be that body that sort of oversees everything and then demands everybody's loyalty? Uh, yeah, you mentioned before how this is like a top-down solution for, uh, like, uh, sorry, a top-down approach to Indigenous affairs. One thing in Anthony Albanese's press conference with Sky News that I thought was really interesting was he compared the voice to parliament debate to what was going on with the Kevin Rudd apology debate, uh, sort of equating like, hey, that was a really significant time in Australian history. And I suppose it does have a cultural moment, but, you know, it also didn't solve anything. I mean, there's still problems in the Aboriginal community, there's still a gap, and the apology seemed to be just the sort of... Uh, a statement where no one had to do anything afterwards. Exactly. And the other thing is, um, while it was an apology, and particularly to children who were removed from their families, um, what about those who weren't removed that now are the most marginalised Australians who still have their language and their culture, who live in utter dysfunction? Uh, What about them? You know, what was ever achieved for them as far as I can see, nothing has been achieved. So, again, this voice is going to ignore them because this voice is going to be made up of individuals who are not much different to uh, their fellow non-Indigenous Australians who have had an education, who have had the privileges of, of being able to you know, have a job, work their way through to powerful positions. Um, so, you know, I don't see... Um, uh, an Indigenous person from a remote community whose first language isn't English, um, sitting in one of these positions uh, of, of um, power, making decisions. I, I don't see, you know, great support for for that from uh, from those who have held those positions of power. And uh, and again, uh, as we've seen, nothing's really come about from the apology. No significant changes have come about and we still haven't forgiven so we haven't turned around and um you know performed the the other part of healing which is to forgive what's occurred in our country's history and move forward so we're stuck in one place which stands to reason why we haven't solved a lot of our problems Right, so that's the voice to parliament side. Now, there's a lot of people that really support Indigenous recognition but don't support voice to parliament. So do you have any thoughts about Indigenous recognition in the Constitution itself? I, I, think, I, well, I, think, it's a, I think it's doable. Uh, again, it's not a pressing issue because it's not necessarily going to be problem-solving. If, if it is somehow put forward and it's hand-in-hand hand with some practical um, ways forward as well, I think it can work. Um, <laughs> I think it's reasonable to to recognise the fact that you know Indigenous people that we that we were that we were here before British British colonisation, um, but I don't think it is um, a, a, a pressing issue in comparison to some of the more. Um, critical issues that we're faced with. Yeah, that was another thing that I saw coming out of Gama was the idea that many Indigenous Australians, uh, especially from remote communities, haven't even heard of the voice to parliament debate. They don't really know what Indigenous recognition in the Constitution is. So is this more, like, this is much less a widespread issue than we think it is? Most definitely. Most definitely. Um, You know, in remote communities, people are trying to get on with their day-to-day lives. 
Um, they're dealing with, you know, family members who are faced with family violence, with um, preventable illness and, um, you know, bad health and, and very little educational opportunities. They're dealing with really uh, important issues and and they're not they're not necessarily on board. They're not debating or talking about the voice or constitutional recognition. This is very much uh, these are very much urban topics. Right, uh, Jacinta, you recently contested the seat of Lingiari, and while you did a uh, like a much better job than anyone expected, you were very very close. Labor was still able to hold on. So why does Labor have such a strong hold in this seat? Because there there is. Um, there was criminal-like behaviour that goes on in in during um, mobile polling. Um, uh, I've seen and others have seen uh, sorts of uh, sorts of things that go on, like handing in, you know a, a voter a five-dollar note with a how to vote. Uh, where we we're in one community and there was a loudspeaker um, community announcement going across the whole community telling people in language to vote for Labor that was running all day. Uh, I was told by um, local there that unions had sponsored the radio station uh, in order to ensure that those messages were being broadcast across the community all day. You had, um, in Alice Springs, you had a local Labor MLA um, with, a, with a bus driving around to uh, town camps and picking up um, people, elderly people, vulnerable people, and ensuring that they had, you know, a bottle of water, uh, at least a bottle of water, maybe something to eat, and how to vote cards and dropping them off almost directly at the front of the polling booth doorway so they'd avoid uh, receiving any other how to vote cards from any other candidates. Uh, there was all kinds of behaviour. There's, And the AEC um, really need to be able to do a better job than than what they've done. Um, yeah, exactly. If that happens in Kuyong or Warringah or anywhere, like that is a national story. No one's talking about anything else. Everyone's talking about it, but it happens in uh, the middle of the Northern Territory and there's barely a hmm. peep. So what? What? why is that? Uh, <laughs> because uh, I guess there's not enough um, media who are interested in coming out and checking out what is really going on. Uh, it's sort of out, out of sight, out of mind. These are very remote places uh, where this behaviour can, you know, they can get away with this kind of behaviour. They've been doing it for uh, three decades now uh, and they went particularly hard this time around. For example, um, I think one community, uh, Labor won 95% of the vote, which is outstanding. I mean, you know, make a North Korean dictator blush, Um knowing that that's the, that's the percentage of vote that had been won in some of these communities. And, uh, you know, there are, there are some... There was one case where um, a woman had turned up to a voting booth. Well, she was actually she was sitting in the car outside. The husband had gone in to demand um, her, her voting um, slip and she had been beaten up by her husband. And, uh, you know, there are often women who are pressured on how to vote by their husbands. There's all kinds of atrocious things that, that go on. It's like there's one standard for the bush, the, these remote communities, and there's another standard for the rest of Australia. And that's not good enough. That, in my view, is what real racism looks like. And that that needs to that needs to stop. And I don't know how 
you know, some of these Labor people can sleep at night knowing that these sorts of behaviours can go on in the bush. All right, just in and, a pro- um, Yeah, sorry. No, 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 sorry. Uh, so, Jacinda Price, the tour is Mind the Gap, Bridging the Indigenous Divide. Go to True Arrow Events for details. Uh, the cities again, Adelaide, Mildura, Bendigo, Melbourne, Albury, Wodonga, Canberra, Sydney, Newcastle, Coffs Harbour, Brisbane, Toowoomba, and as Jacinta said, that is just the first round. So, Jacinta, thanks so much for coming on the show. No problem. Thanks for having me. Okay, thank you to Jacinda Price for that awesome interview. Um, so many things coming out of that. So, uh, yeah, just awesome stuff. She's such a cool thinker. Make sure you're getting to the events uh, and follow her on Facebook because the, the stuff that she posts is awesome. And uh, it's important to give her a lot of support because she does, like, as she said in the interview, she does get a lot of trolls and uh, she's a voice that needs to be heard. So make sure you're getting around her. Make sure you're going to the events because we need people like Jacinda Price in the national debate. All right, uh, let us go through some culture picks. And this seemed to be dominating the internet for about three days, but it's this clip from... The Democratic Socialists of America is their national conference. Mm-hmm. Now, the Democratic Socialists of America, uh, we talked about it in Hay a few weeks ago. They are becoming very, very powerful. Like, the membership is growing exponentially. But I watch stuff like this, and I think if they're ever going to take over the US, then their meetings need to run a little bit smoother. Sorry, can we play the clip now? Right, right uh, quick point of privilege. Quick um, point of personal privilege. Yes. Um, guys, uh, first of all, James Jackson, Sacramento, he, him. I just want to say, can we please keep the chatter to a minimum? I'm one of the people who's very, very prone to sensory overload. There's a lot of whispering and chatter going on. It's making it very difficult for me to focus. Please, can we just, I know it's, we're all fresh and ready to go, but can we please just keep the chatter to a minimum? It's affecting my ability to focus. Thank you. Thank you, comrade. Okay, is there a speaker against name, point chapter, pronoun? Point of personal privilege. Yes. Please do not use gendered language to, to address everyone. Lord help the next person that uses gendered language around that second guy. Like that was a that He's was a man angry. outraged. <laughs> my um my favorite bit, if you look closely in the video, is yep. the jazz hands. Yeah, this was new to you. You were talking yeah, about it off. I only air. just found out about this. Yeah. So jazz hands for people who don't know, it started at like this Oxford University students conference of a year ago or so. But they wanted to outlaw clapping because it was freaking out people apparently. So sensory overload. Sensory overload. So from now on, when you want to applaud something, or apparently if you have like a point of personal privilege, whatever was going on in that meeting, you just need to do jazz hands instead. Which um, is way more full on than clapping. Which is that what is I said at the time. So much more. Like scary. if you said something to me and uh, a whole room full of pe- if I said something and a whole room full of people started clapping, I mean I'm a little bit uncomfortable because I don't do well with praise. But if your whole room full of people started doing jazz hands at me, I'm sprinting in the other direction. Like that is yep. something directly Terrifying. out of Children of the Corn, a reference you won't get. Um, but that would scare the hell out of me. Uh, and like, I, I just again, that guy is now like, I'll, I'll never use gendered language again because I'm terrified of that guy sprinting across a, a crowded room to absolutely berate me. He wants to get... You think he's not listening to this podcast waiting for gendered language? You're wrong. He's definitely... He's He's waiting outside. (laughs) With a giant hot dog that he's going to hit me over the head with. Uh, All right, so Adam, too much sensory overload. That got a bit up and about, so let's Mm -hmm. bring it right down for this next story. Uh, Well, the next one is an MP. I lately was caught playing solitaire in a parliamentary meeting. Which is very funny. Yeah, so it's this South Australian Labor MP, John G, I think his name is. Uh, it's this big parliamentary budget meeting and he's playing solitaire. Like, and my question is, really, solitaire? <laughs> like that's the only game you could think of to play? My point, how is it not Minesweeper? Like the only, po- yeah. the only thing I want to hear out of this guy is an apology for not playing Minesweeper, which is the clearly superior game. 
Um, sorry. And, and first, and the other thing for this guy is, you, is he never snuck in a game when he shouldn't be playing a game before? Oh, like, and because his excuse for it is, oh, it just popped up on my screen. No, it didn't. <laughs> there is <laughs> That's no, not how There's not a thing work. in the world that pops up and puts a solitaire on your screen. <laughs> that makes no sense. But also, like, do a quick head check. You would have found out that there was a camera behind you yeah. that was filming you play solitaire. Yeah, they, they started filming these meetings a long time yeah, ago. Yeah, exactly. I love it if he lost as well, so we all get to see <laughs> that he completely sucks at solitaire. All right, uh, final story before we're going to cut to our very special segment is um, the ATO. So the Australian Tax Office... Uh, lo- you know, they love raising taxes. And the ATO uh, will increase the tax on beer by 21 cents per litre on draft beer and 30 cents a litre on stubbies, cans and long necks, which Oof. for me is the start of mainstream libertarianism in Australia. Because yeah. I like, uh, I don't know about you, but every one of my friends who ever comes back from overseas, the first thing they comment on is how cheap booze is overseas. Because in Australia, it is wild. The stats here I've got, um, there's a study coming out of the University of Adelaide. Australians pay around 18 times more beer tax than Germany and 37 7% more than Britons and eight times more than Americans. So, like, Australia's already taxed out it's of its mind insane. on beer and it's only going to get worse. Yeah, I think this is how we finally get everyone over yeah. onto the libertarian side. It's the one thing, like, because everyone can agree on. All of my friends are socialists, mm-hmm. but the one thing they will get riled up on is why do we pay so much in beer tax? Yeah. And for me, like, I only drink spirits, so this really doesn't actually affect me that much, but I'm just glad to bring more people into the fold. See, I am a beer drinker. And oh. as we said, it's 21st season, and it is killing my bank account. <laughs> if they put it up anymore, we're going to yeah. have to cancel 21st. Oh, no wow. one can have a party anymore. Well, it's too expensive. Well, that's going to stink. But you uh-huh. know, part of his eye sensory overload, and there is a whole lot of clapping at 21st. There are, so there's a lot more, and you can't hip hip hooray. You can't hip hip hooray anymore. There's a lot of problems with 21st. Yeah, I think. They're bad. We yeah. should cut them out. So, uh, yeah. Well, maybe like if we increase taxes and get rid of 21st, like we're, we're going to get answer. rid of a wider societal problem. Yeah. All right, cool. Adam, once again, you've been an absolute star. So uh, stick around and on the other side of this. Oh, yeah. So Fox, give him a plug. What's the name of the EP? Uh, so Fox, our EP is called The Clean Cut. Go check yep. it out. It's everywhere. Yeah, Spotify. It's truly awesome stuff. So uh, on the other side of this is going to be our brand new segment. Um, so stick around. They have... Giant song bridges of shipping empires The concrete jungle is wild Y'all losing a battle in the town of collateral Falling down at the line Getting lost in golden streets He's a man that they never beat But the people that built it, they won't forget. It was blood that forged it, the empire land.
right, cool. Sorry, for the last uh, segment of this week's show, we're going to try something else. So Big Bad Bustling Pete is out. I can start doing weird things and seeing what happens to this podcast. So I thought it'd be fun to bring in a quiz. So we've got two IPA staff members who are joining us this week. For the quiz, we have Director of Policy Gideon Rosner. Welcome back to the show. Great to be here as and always. And we also have Production Coordinator of Climate Change Effects, Dave Onage. Welcome back to the show as well. Just a curtain on. <laughs> Most people listen <laughs> to this rather than watch, again. but uh, good, good to know that we've got the curtain on. So, quiz. Uh, it's going to be one point for each. The winner of the quiz is going to get a young IPA podcast mug. People on watching on oh, YouTube are seeing me hold up the prize. So this is what you're playing for. I know it's something both very near and dear to both of your hearts. Uh, sorry, we're going to go through 10 questions. There's going to be a who am I as well. Anyone can win. And uh, best of luck to you both, especially Dee, because I know Dee has been battling the flu. Correct. And she's also been battling assignments. So we should have a handicap, but we don't because this is a free market thing, Dave. We don't believe in <laughs> handicaps. So, um, all right. So you guys ready to go? Absolutely. Yep. Any yep. further questions you have for the quiz And our master? buzzer, as I understand, is our name. Good call. So the buzzer is your yep. name. So I'll just go with whoever's name I hear first. Let's yep. get a quick buzzer check. Gideon. Okay. Okay, cool. I can do that. Um, all right, so shall we begin the quiz? Well, I would like to make oh. the point, though, speaking of handicaps, okay. um, my name has three syllables and Dee's has one, so I'd like that taken into, into account as I'll well. I'll go by th the first sound that first I hear. Sound, but right. it has to be a clear G in Good. your case and a clear D in your case, Dee. Yep. I'll be listening for that. Got and it. I can tell the difference between a G and a D <laughs> after 13 years of education. All right, um, let's start the quiz. So, uh, question one. Peter Gregory's nickname among his friends is Rexy. Why? This is the kind of question I can do because he's not here and he doesn't love the answer to this. Does anyone want to chime in? Gideon, I presume some incident involving a dog? No, uh, he has tiny hands. People who are watching on YouTube will know this, but oh, next time you have a look, like Donald got Trump. tiny hands. Yeah, well, the similarities are more than you would think, <laughs> to be honest. All right, sorry. No one's uh, got off to a flying start no. yet. Sorry. Question two. Australia just held trade and defence talks with which country in Sydney over the weekend? Gideon. Gideon. The United States. Indeed it was. So, 1-0 Gideon. Osmin. Right. Uh, which Australian athlete was denied entry into Crown Casino uh, Tuesday night? I still can't remember his name. It's Gideon. Been, it's been Gideon. Do, I get, do I get a half a point? Gideon. Um, do I get half a point? His last name is Simmons? Yes. Okay. I'll give you one. I'll give you half a point. Half a point. So, one and a half to zero Gideon. Well, now we're bringing in decimal systems. Yeah. That's going to really fry my brain. <laughs> All right. So, Ben Simmons was the athlete. Philadelphia 76ers. All right. Um, Gideon and Dave. Question number four. The university that sacked Dr. Peter Reed is? Dave. Oh, oh, I know you heard Dave first. I need to know this too. Yeah. Uh, Dave. You went this whole big like, well, here it comes. So, D. JCU. JCU. That is correct. Yeah. So, 1.5 to 1. That 0.5 is going to be very important by That's the end of the I'm glad I split, the, split hairs there. Okay. Uh, well, the Hong Kong protests, obviously, huge news in the world this week. So, name the chief executive of Hong Kong. Gideon. Gideon. Carrie Lam. In, indeed it is. 2.5 to 1. The hapless right? Carrie Lam. Okay. Uh, trade war. Also a big story this week. What is the name of the Chinese currency? D. D. Yuan. Done. 2.5 to 2. All right, Whoa. sorry. Two more questions and then the who am I? Sorry. Yep. Uh, how did, Okay, so CPAC. Uh, the, uh, you know, CPAC was a big event in Sydney over the weekend as well. No, it's, it's this weekend. Oh, it's this weekend? Yeah. Okay. But it's well. been a big event this week because Christina Keneally's been... Oh. No, did I just, did I just no, spoil the surprise? No, that was a question. So how did Christina Keneally help sell the CPAC tickets? Oh, how? She did something that was amazingly good for their ticket sales this week. 
Gideon, oh, she slagged off the conference on a, in a, she a did German speech. She, she made called it. for Raheem Kassan to be denied a visa That's because right. he was being taken to the thing. So and they continued to bleed about it. I mean, this is amazing. This is, um, you, you know, she, she thinks she's on some sort of winner here, but all she's done is held side. I tried to book a ticket. Yeah. I couldn't get into the dinner. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, thanks, Christina Keneally. I couldn't uh, go, to, go to the dinner because of you. Okay, cool. So, what? Uh, and then final question for this round. So, what year was the IPA founded? D. D. 1943. Correct. Another thing right, so I think Gideon is up by 1.5 points. I've got a pen, so I haven't yeah. been marking down Something like that. Oh, I'll accept that. Let's go with that. What, you're happy with that, D? Okay. Right, so <laughs> I wasn't counting well, it. Well, we got a who is am it, I, sorry. This isn't exactly sale of the century. Hey, anyway, go on. Hey, yeah. this is better than sale of the century. That's true. dream of being. All right, so uh, Gideon up by 1.5 points. So who am I? Uh, so for five points, anyone can win this. So yeah. for five points, who am I? I was born in June 12, 1962. You get one point off for wrong answers. Yep. So, so be a, careful with them. Nope, nothing so far. Nothing so far. D? Nothing. nothing. All right. Four points. I'm a clinical psychologist. Gideon. Gideon. Jordan Peterson. Done. All right. That, we have a winner. Which one was yours? Because I've drunk out of one of these. So That's all right. Yeah. All right. Have I'll, this one. I'll get it sanitized. Okay. <laughs> Either way, I've touched them both, so you need to get it sanitized. <laughs> Gideon is a winner for the bug this week. Thank you very much to D for playing along. So, Gideon, you're reigning champion. We'll have you on back next week uh, to take on another challenger Looking here from the to IPA. To defend my mug. To defend the mug. The mug needs defending. All right. Uh, so that is it for the show this week. Thank you to Gideon, D. Thank you to Adam from SoFox. Check out the EP on Spotify and all those things. Thanks again to Jacinta Price for a really awesome interview about Indigenous affairs. Make sure you're going to truearrowevents.com to figure out if she's speaking near you and to book some tickets. And uh, thanks so much for everyone for listening. So uh, we're available on all good podcast platforms. We're now on YouTube as well. So go and subscribe on YouTube if you prefer to listen to podcasts through that format. Go to the IPA's YouTube channel. You can subscribe there. Uh, if you are listening through Apple Podcasts or iTunes, make sure you're leaving us a five-star review. It helps us climb up the rankings. And if you are listening at all, make sure you're telling your friends and family about the show so they can listen as well. See you guys next week. Yeah.